and welcome to the Scott and Paul Show, Episode 9. Dan, hey, where's Dan at, Scott? Oh, Dan, uh, right now I believe he's being domesticated again. Oh, okay. I was wondering where he was. Well, Saturdays are hard for him, so we'll yeah. uh, we'll get that straightened out. Uh, I saw his wife's purse over there. I was wondering where he was at, too. I guess he took off with it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Macho Man Randy Savage will be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. It's a little late since he's fucking dead now, Vince, but at least Macho Man is in the Hall of Fame. Going to be, anyway. And Hulk Hogan will be doing the induction. Not his brother. Scott? I I don't know. I mean, maybe they asked Lanny Poffo. He's I saw Lanny Poffo not that long ago on something. Like, you know, current Lanny Poffo. Yeah. Um, maybe it's something I saw on WWE Network or something. I don't know what it was. It just that popped in my head when you said that. You think he would have his brother, yeah? I mean, I don't know if the Macho Man's dad's still alive. If he was, he'd be like 90. But, uh, <laughs> I think you he's know, dead. Or his ex-wife or something. But, you know... She's dead, Or too. not ex-wife. His, um, Liz is his dead, wife. Too. Whoever it was he was with when he passed away. Yeah. But whatever. It's 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 a WWE um, Hall of Fame. So, Lanny Poffo, I mean, he wrestled in WWE briefly, I think. Yeah, but Lanny was there for... He was on Saturday night once. He was on the first main event, wasn't he? Anyway, either way, it doesn't matter. He had a good run there. It's a Hall of Fame show. You know, he's a Macho Man's brother. He, he, Maybe. Was, he was a good technical guy and all that, but he's not the Macho Man. He's not Hulk Hogan, so it makes sense to have Hulk Hogan do it since they... I mean, really, the Macho Man-Hogan feud was freaking awesome, and so was the tag team. So Maybe Hogan will be inducting him, and Poffa will just be doing the acceptance for him. That'd be awesome, too. So I don't know what the plan is, so I can't really criticize anything, but it would make sense for Hulk Hogan to do it. Um would be awesome, though, if if uh, the lights went out and it popped back on and Sting appeared behind Hulk Hogan and gave him, like, the Scorpion Death Drop and then handed the award to... <laughs> to... Uh, uh, yeah. Popo. So, just saying. Sting! Yeah. That actually would be a cool way to close out your career, just surprise everybody. Instead of doing a big final match, you're actually just giving an award out to guys passed away, but whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Hogan. yeah. <laughs> well, TNA was doing some um, tapings at the Manhattan Center, and Jeff Hardy did a stupid ass bump where he was on the cage and he crushed himself on the door and then fell onto the steps, legitimately knocking his ass out. Um, I thought we were past all these stupid, crazy-ass bumps. This isn't the um, attitude error. This, I thought ECW died. Hey, I'm I'm sure Sting was heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. So the, the greatest moment of impact was when Sting did the shoot pin on his ass. Yeah, that's the best thing I saw. Um, I you know I don't know the guy. I hope he's all right. But yeah, I mean they they gotta. It's a calculated risk, but I mean, when you're talking about that kind of bump, there's not—it's not easy to calculate something like that. So, somebody gets hurt really bad. That's what happens. He got knocked out. He got another concussion. And um, last little bit of news: this will mean nothing because this airs on Tuesday. But um, 
you got a bunch of the old timers are coming back on Raw for some reunions. Hogan's going to be there. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, even though he was suspended, but since the um, charges were dropped against him and the um, beating the shit out of his kid, um, he's back. Flair's going to be there. Michaels, Jimmy Hart, Billy Gunn, and Ron Simmons will all be at Monday Night Raw. So, trying to get some desperate, desperate ratings in before the Royal Rumble, which is either next week or the week after. I think week after. So this, I think this is the go home show for Monday Night Raw. So, yeah, you need to do something. Ratings are down. I, uh, I know Sting, right? I don't know if did I. I don't know if I touched on. Yeah, Sting. I don't know if I touched on this um, in another podcast or if this is just me and you having a conversation. But you know, I love that they remember their past and keep these people involved to a point. But at what point does it go from "Hey, what's up, guys?" to "We're just continually patting ourselves on the back" and Especially with like Nash and Hogan, that's what I see. That's the way I take it. Um, and I get sick of seeing it. So if they come out and be a part of the show and do something or just stand up and wave, whatever. But it's just a lot. It's just a lot of patting themselves on the back. And uh, as much as I like Stone Cold, uh, that episode where he sat with Vince McMahon and they did the podcast. Yeah, I mean it was cool and all, but every time McMahon would be trying to talk about something, Stone Cold would be like. Yeah, but we generated some heat. You did, you know. But let the man talk. You know, quit, yeah. quit trying to go on and on and on and on about. It. Maybe I'm just jealous that I didn't have something like that, and that I could look back and it would wrap itself in my core so tightly. But man, I'm getting sick of hearing about it. And I would say that the the current fans that didn't grow up with that stuff are probably sick of hearing about it. So. Um, I like watching the old wrestlers work when they work, but sometimes it just gets old. And some it just depends on what they're doing. So who knows? Next week they might just be there and do something good and if they're sitting around doing a bunch of grab ass, then whatever. It's nothing we haven't seen before. Uh grab ass? Isn't that what the uh UFC guy said? <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what the UFC guy said. Uh you this is more your area than mine, so what exactly is this who's this guy? That Brendan Swab? Brennan Schaub, 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 whatever. Um, He was on a radio show, and he was talking about wrestling being fake and not being the same as USC and playing grab ass. And uh, you know if you're going to win or lose, and yeah, it's hard on your body. That's kind of just to paraphrase what he said. Um, Just the first half of that, fake wrestling, they don't – it's not fake wrestling. Fake wrestling hasn't been the way that product's been sold in – 20 years. Uh, it's sports entertainment. It's a show. It's actors. You know, I mean, he might as well be saying that um, Steven Skull thinks he's a badass because he's in the movies. And, but these guys are strong. These guys are athletic. I'm talking about wrestlers. And I'm more of an MMA fan than I am a wrestling fan as far as the current crop goes. Um, and yeah, the UFC fighters, on average, are probably going to kick the shit out of most of them because they're trained fighters. Okay, but some of these guys, I mean, they're legitimately badass. They're legitimately, they're legitimate athletes. They work really hard, and they do take a beating. I would say over the course of a year, the trauma done to their body overall is probably worse than what a lot of these UFC guys go through. They only, they train all year long, but they only fight 
a few times a year. And if they're sparring and going 100% in sparring, then they're going up like, uh, you know, Tommy Hitman Hearns. That guy, you know, was legendary for being a very good fighter, but he also sparred 100%, and he's paying for it now. You know, I mean, he's... So these guys aren't trying to kill each other all the time. They're working hard. Uh, you got you got your Vanderlei Silvas that might, you know, go to training and beat the crap out of each other day in and day out. But And they do get hurt, and they do beat the crap out of each other. But getting punched in the chest and hitting the arm and, and things like that, and it's not the same as taking 330 bumps multiplied exponentially each year. I mean, they're, they're, they're thousands and thousands of times these guys are hitting the freaking mats. So it's not easy on your internal organs and stuff. It's it's a similar but different trauma, and so it is hard on the body. He he's I think he's undercutting that a little bit. But uh, as far as uh, and Brandon Schaub, Brandon Schaub is awesome. I mean, not awesome. He's a, he's a really good fighter. Uh, he's a good grappler. He's a good submission specialist uh, if he needs to be. And uh, but. You know, Brock plays right into his game, but he plays right into Brock's game. And Brock has that wrestling pedigree. And he goes on to talk about that. You know, his impressive amateur wrestling background, and uh, he'll be successful because he's big and a talented wrestler. Well, yeah, yeah. and he's explosive and everything. So he kind of knocks him, and then he kind of kisses his ass a little bit. But And I think probably during the interview he started running his head and then kind of caught himself. So, yeah. But it is what it is. Uh, that'd be a fight I'd pay to watch. You know, I like I like both guys. So yeah, he but don't started. don't undercut the damage pro wrestlers go through. Um, he talks. It's, it's at least equal or worse than UFC. And um, I've I was clearly never a, a UFC fighter or anything, but I've had 15 years of this stuff, and I'm telling you, uh, just screwing around play wrestling and hitting the floor and and mats and stuff. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I agree. He started talking shit about... I guess the subject of maybe Brock coming back was in the interview, and then he started talking shit about wrestling being you know, fake. And he's like, well, no, Brock... Oh, yeah, Brock's a badass, but uh, wrestling's fake. And uh, But I'm doing this every day. But, you know, Brock is a big, tough guy. And um, next question... Yeah, that's what happened. He just he just he just went off on a tangent and caught himself. Nothing really wrong with that, but Brock Lesnar uh, might smash his face in for it. Who knows? Who knows if Brock Lesnar even cares? Do you think Brock will be back if they if they throw him the money? If they throw him the money, and they've got the money. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see. It's getting closer, so he will be at the pay per view on. Um Whenever the fucking Royal Rumble was. Damn, I should have looked that up before we did the show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Lesnar, I think, he, I think he'll be back. I, th- I think uh, – I was surprised he retired when he did because, um, I mean, yeah, he lost that fight, but he lost it bad too. Whew. But, uh, yeah, I was surprised. He's, he's always been competitive and stuff. But, you know, one thing about him, he's always been a little bit erratic. You know, bouncing from UFC, uh, tried to do the NFL thing, you know, wrestling – uh, TV show appearances on like the hunting channels and stuff like that. So he's 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 out there. He's always moving, doing something. But he's a little bit erratic, in my opinion. So it's on the 25th, January 25th, will be the Royal Rumble. And let's just go ahead and go to. Uh, well, 
you know what? There's not a lot of movie news, so we're going to go ahead and talk about that right now. Michael Keaton won the Golden Globe for Best Actor, thus proving not only is he a better Batman, but he's also a better actor than Christian Bell. Um, I have not seen Birdman yet. I was going to try to rent it on um, Apple, but they did not have it. I think it's up on YouTube. But um, have you been able to check out Birdman? No. What's Birdman? Birdman is the movie that Michael Keaton won the Golden Globe for. <laughs> I I read the story wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he did not win an Academy a Golden Globe for being Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, as I Google Birdman and act like I know what the hell I'm talking about, uh, no, I don't know what the fuck Birdman is. Hold on, let me put a uh, uh, space. Wait there. a minute, there is he? A... Are you kidding me? That Birdman? I didn't think it was that Birdman. No shit. It's not Har- Harvey Birdman turning at law, but it's, it's just Birdman. Oh, that would have been man, something too. That would have been even better. Well, I guess I'm going to have to uh, – I did not know. I, how did I miss this, considering what my life's wrapped around? I think it won two Golden Globes. It won a couple, I think. Maybe two. Well, I can't wait to uh, partake. I just I just saw Golden Globe and Christian Bell and LOL'd. Ha-ha, <laughs> Christian Bell, what do you think of that shit? I didn't ever consider the rest of it. Oh, well, that's awesome. Sweet. So, yeah, Christian Bell, suck on that, man. You know, my Batman can't exist with those superheroes. Whatever. <laughs> Retards. Yeah. And Michael Keaton, man, I like I said, if they didn't get Ben Affleck and you want an old grizzled Batman, there you go. Michael Keaton, return. Let's do this. But one can dream. Skull Island's coming up with Michael Keaton. Already has Tom Hiddleston and J.K. Simmons. Yes. Oh, it won Best Screenplay, and he won Best Actor. No shit. Yes. That is awesome. Is this out on video yet? It should be. Is this out on VHS yet? Should be, maybe. Man, sweet. I, uh... I got some a quadraphonic stereo hookup downstairs, and uh, it'll be out um, February seventeenth. Yeah. Okay. But it should be maybe rental on YouTube. Sign me up day one. I'm glad I don't have to wait very long. That's the good thing about it. It's not like something I had to read about three years ago. Like, oh, I can't wait to see Birdman, like all these other movies. <laughs> so let me take a look real quick. Um. Yes, Michael Keaton will be in Skull Island, the new King Kong film. Scott, what's your opinion on the uh, King Kong franchise while I do some um, fact-checking here? Well, I like King Kong. I didn't like... I mean, the Peter Jackson one was too long and repeated some of the same jokes a little bit too much. But, I mean, I liked it for what it was. It had good action and... I think it was just too drawn out. But uh, I like the, uh, was it the 70s they had a remake and then the original? I love both of those. So, I mean, the remake. Oh, Jessica Lange was so fucking beautiful in that movie. Oh, she's ridiculous, yes. You know, all these all these uh, Hollywood starlets, I mean, they're, they're pretty and all that, but 
there's a certain graceful beauty that many of them do not have. They all have this like little, I don't know, teeny bopper cuteness or something. But yeah, she was she was so so pretty. Um, so I like those. Yeah, the, and I like King Kong. I kicked Godzilla's ass in in America once. I don't think so much in Japan. I can't remember exactly how that all played out. But anyways, if I see King Kong fighting huge mutants or you know monsters or whatever is on Kong Island, I'll be all right. But if Kong uh, steals the girl and goes and hides in a cave again, it's like, come dude, on. he's got an Academy yeah. Award nomination for Best Actor in Birdman. That's awesome. That's Fuck awesome. Yeah. Awesome hockey. Hell yeah. See, he could be Batman, everybody. What the fuck? Anyways, um, my kid really likes King Kong. Um, he really he really liked the new one, and he watched... I believe he's watched the remake, but he's never seen the original yet. So, oh, no, I take that back. He did watch the original, and he liked it. It was the remake he hasn't seen. So, yeah, I'm excited. I 2017, I don't care if they make 50 King Kong movies. Just do something different in each one. But yeah, I would like to see an, an original adventure. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not going to be original because it's King Kong for like the 15th time or something. You know, we've had like Mighty Joe Young and three or four of those and whatever. But give me... Birdman has nine nominations for the Academy Awards. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got you all. No, nine? Yeah, let's just talk about Birdman. Hey, Kong Island, March 10th, 2017. <laughs> or Kong, Skull Island. Be there. Possibly. Yeah. Back to Birdman. Um, nine Academy nominations? Mm-hmm. How did this movie not get on this nerd's radar? I do not know. Actor in the leading role, Michael Keaton. Um, actor in a supporting role, Edward Norton. So you had Bruce Banner and Batman in the same fucking movie. Fuck yeah. Actors in a supporting role, Emma Stone. So you had Gwen Stacy. Um, I'm not seeing the drawbacks to this film. I'm gonna have to watch the trailer after the show. Um, best cinematography. That must be an impressive movie. What I I need to see this. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, Birdman is apparently awesome. So we've established this. It's drama slash comedy. Ninety-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Eighty-eight on Metacritic. Those are impressive stats, but that 8.6 on IMDb, because those people are cutthroat, <laughs> that's impressive. That's more impressive than the 92. So, yeah. Sound editing, sound mixing. Wow. Good job. Zach Galifianakis. Rising. And Naomi Watts are in it. So. I don't see... Somebody told me that you could actually rent this movie on YouTube, and I do not actually see it available on YouTube right now. Oh, well, I love Michael Keaton. I'll probably be purchasing this one. So, moving on. Thank you, Michael Keaton, for another awesome movie. Hopefully, yeah. I'll like it. What's our next topic here? What we got, what we got looking at us? Uh, we are looking at Tom Hardy has left Suicide Squad, likely to be replaced by Jack Gaydell. Gaydell, where the fuck his name is? Jalen Hall. Yeah, the guy who wanted to be Prince of Persia, but he's not Persian, so what the fuck? But um, Tom Hardy is out. He was playing um, 
Who the hell was he playing in the movie? He was playing the lead. Um, shoot, what's his name? He's not playing uh, the lead. No, 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 no. He's the not the lead lead. He's the um, oh, the guy running the show. He was uh, Flax or Flack. Yeah, that guy. Flag, Randall Flag. Rent no. Rick Flag. That's you're thinking of um, the Stand and Stephen King yeah. universe there. Sorry. Yeah, That's yeah, that guy. Um, yeah, so he was he was the leader of the team or something. So. Uh, but yeah, The Revenant is another movie that he's making, and it went over schedule, so it conflicts with Suicide Squad, so he won't be there. Which Jake Gyllenhaal, you know, he's up and down. Tom Hardy's just up, in my opinion. But Jake Gyllenhaal's got the ability. I've liked him in a few movies. Bubble Boy comes to mind. <laughs> uh, I like Boy in a Plastic Bubble. Brokeback Boy. Mountain. He was getting Brokeback Mountain. Uh, I don't think I've actually ever seen him in a movie I like. Let's see. Uh, well, I'm I'm talking about performance. Brokeback Mountain, it was all right. The only thing, spe- I mean, like again, the homosexual part didn't bother me. I don't care about that. Um, but that was the only that to me that was really the only reason that movie was hyped was because it was mainstream homosexual. Oh, he was in which Dark is cool. It's cool. It's fine. You know, but as far as pure film, it was okay. Uh, what was the other one I liked him in? Donnie Darko, October yes. Sky. Donnie Darko, October Sky. Um, Brothers. City Slackers? He was in City Slackers. They did with uh, Toby uh, McGuire. I thought I thought he was good in that. I think he was in that one. Yeah, he was in that one. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I've liked him in a few. I didn't like Prince of Persia or him in Prince of Persia. So uh, everybody, everybody has their turds. Sorry, uh, he has a lot of them here. Yeah, um, I've liked uh, I've liked his performances a lot of times, but there's been a few ones, whatever. Well, last bit of news here. But apparently, a lot of people do like what he does. Yeah. So, um, so he's a safe bet, probably. One of Scott's favorite film companies, 20th Century Fox, has. The rights to remake Escape from New York. How far away they would go from John Carpenter's epic, for what scale it was, but it was an epic movie, to uh, the company that bringing you um, Fantastic Four. So, uh, yeah, whatever. Fox, I'm not even going to say they better not screw it up because they're probably going to screw it up. Um, Just try to make a good movie and quit trying to freaking do this studio intervention crap and just let the the people work. Even if you do freaking hire Paul Anderson, get the hell out of his way. (laughs) You know, I mean, AVP was AVP, but it didn't help that he had Fox hovering over his back the whole time when he alluded to that a few times. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the late cuts and edits to get the PG-13 rating was one of the things that pissed him off um, that he had talked about. So, yeah, Paul Anderson is well, a guy... They probably that, promised him an R rating, and they said no. Yeah, exactly. We want merchandising, so we got to get this PG-13. Yeah, basically, and that didn't work out for him. So, um, yeah, even if they got somebody like that, they just... He has moments of talent, and he has moments of... You know, I got my head up my ass, but whatever 20th Century Fox does with uh, 
escape from New York, it's probably going to be terrible. I don't care who they hire. Because they will get in the way of whoever they hire. Well, they know better, okay. Scott. I mean, well, it's like me and you sitting here. You know, I mean, you're going to go run up to some director has been doing this shit for 20 years and try to say, well, maybe you should do this and maybe you should do that, blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, if somebody would have done that, Batman or Robin because, wouldn't have sucked. Well, there are examples that mean you probably could have fixed and. And I'm sure there's 300 million other people in this nation that could have fixed Batman and Robin. But my point is, is these studio execs, a lot of time they they didn't they didn't they didn't go and film a lot of movies. They didn't go down and, and write a lot of movies. These are these are a bunch of suck asses that got into positions because of people they know, not because they're talented. Yeah, you, you have know? money men and you have the artists, and, and the artists are not allowed to do their job. Things like that. Money men need to worry about the money and let the product speak for itself. You know. Uh, Nintendo is still afloat because of the quality of the product. Plain and simple. It's it, it, the the quality of the software is why they're still afloat. If they didn't give their developers that freedom to do what they do, okay, and then and their hiccups, where do their hiccups come from? Marketing, the money men. But as far as the actual quality of their games, it's pretty high. So that's a prime example of what 20th Century Fox needs to get the fuck out of the way and let the people work. So should CBS get the fuck out of the way and let them make a good Supergirl movie or TV show in this case? <sighs> Go ahead and get it out. <laughs> <laughs> I swear people's going to start thinking I'm I'm uh, you're a racist. And I'm, I'm a homophobe too because I was like, yeah, the only reason Brokeback Mountain was popular is because there was gay people, and I don't. I don't. I have. I don't have a problem with gay people. Being gay does not affect me. Um, you were sucked into it, right? Yeah, I was sucked into it. Um, I'm talking purely about it, the movie from what my subjective um, likes and dislikes are of filmmaking technique. But anyways, Supergirl series, CBS female empowerment detective story. Uh, Disney, please go and buy DC Comics <laughs> and kill this shit. Listen, I'm all for the female empowerment. It it needs to be out there to a degree, but what they're re- what they're doing, what people are doing with all this this rah 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 sis boom ba for female empowerment is they're bringing attention to the matter, and that's good. But the product they generate a lot of times is we're having to focus on making a woman look strong. We're having to focus on. Uh, all these things, and, and to me, they're almost kind of victimizing women in the same because they need to be uh, built up. Just make a good story and put somebody in the part, whether they're male or female, and change things accordingly. I don't understand why we have to why we have to seek to to make these huge statements. Um, yeah, there needs to be statements made, but I don't understand why it has to just be pervasive and permeate everything. You know, people that write stuff write stuff on their own perceptions and their own personal experiences. It, it's it, it's the flavor of every project you look at, and I think a lot of the stuff about like sexism is misplaced because yes, men are writing a lot of this stuff, but what's the what is their perspective of life? You know, are they even thinking of well, gee, should I uh, you know write this this way, or the people that surround me live like this? Does you know maybe their wife isn't. Mrs. Independent. Maybe their girlfriend isn't Miss Independent. Maybe their sister or whatever isn't Miss Independent. So maybe sometimes that bleeds over into some of this stuff. And um, I don't know. I just hope that it's a, a good show. 
but it's going to be a procedural detective story, and that right there just tells me I'm not I'm this is probably not going to be good. At least not from the perspective of enjoying Supergirl comics or DC comics. It might be a good procedural, I don't know, but whatever. It that sounds to me like they they got their head stuck on making this huge super feminist um independent tale and uh I don't know. It pisses me off. I wonder what it would have been like if they would have just kept Josh Whedon on the project and just went with his version of Wonder Woman. One can dream. Yeah. But, but you know, Josh think? Whedon doesn't know anything, so, you know, they got rid of him because they're going to go their own way. And how much money has Josh Whedon made with Avengers? Oh, like over a billion dollars? And now yeah. he's probably going to make that or more? He did write so, Alien Resurrection. There's your weekly Alien reference. <laughs> oh, there'll be more. Yeah. Um, basically, the agenda is movies are bad because they portray women as weak and needing a hero, and they're sexualized. Um, and games are bad for the same reason. You know, the problem, is, the answer would be to stop treating women as damsels in distress while chasing your agendas. While the video game developers and writers that are male and the uh, movie and TV writers portray women that way as weak and needing a hero. They're portraying fictional women as that way. Whereas the people with the agendas are treating real-life women as damsels in distress, trying to come to their rescue. And I think there's, I think there's a certain irony in that and, that, and I think that's like the not-your-shield thing that went on with the Gamergate stuff. I think that reflects on that when you saw a female standing up and saying, hey, I'm not your shield, you don't speak for me. I don't need someone to come to my rescue. So they're doing exactly what they're they're harping against, and uh, there's no easy answer to it. But that's my perspective. Sorry, I just run a good fucking story. I mean, exactly. Agent Carter does have moments in there where it's like it's set in the was it forties, fifties, sixties? I can't fucking remember. Forties, twenties, thirties, forties. When the fuck is it set? I can't remember. Agent Carter, forties. Late 40s, early 40s. Probably mid-late 40s, yeah. I'm guessing post-World War II. And, so. of course, there's the moments in there where it's very kind of backwatered. Men are superior to women, and you are nothing more than a secretary accurate. because that's, that's accurate, all you are. And that's how it was then. But she just goes and does her fucking job. Yes, it sucks. Yes, she deals with it. But her whole character is not based on that one aspect because she rises above it because her character is better than that. She's not a cause. This is my pro-woman stance. Stop romanticizing it because strong women have existed since the dawn of time. Okay, yes, there has been some there's some cultural and social things that are freaking terrible and atrocious and everything else. But you know what? There's there's women having their clitorises cut off in Africa. There are people being stolen and passed into the slave trade. And yes, the, I, I guess there is a fallacy to, well, it's not as bad as this when you're talking about a debate. But really, it's a first world issue. You know, we can bitch and moan and groan, and I we have, we bitch about first world crap on this show. But regardless, the whole show is about that. yeah, it's all first world stuff. And that's exactly what we're wrapped up in. And there's a freaking barbaric 
vile planet out there that we've got that most people don't think exists, and they don't have a free clue. It's like uh, the 2,000 people that died the week of uh, Charlie Hebdo attacks. You know, I saw that because I browse and search and seek out more obscure sites that report that kind of stuff. Or the um, 200 burned up bodies they found. Yeah, that too. Yeah. You know, and that's men, women, and children. And but you know, I don't know. Is it because they're black? <laughs> because they're Africans? Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. So here I am preaching against one thing and then bringing it right back up because it's not. There's no easy answer to all this. And uh, Charlie Hebdo was sensational. The uh, attacks with the 2,000 dead was a statistic. What's the famous quote? I don't remember what it is, but it's oh, about the, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. The death of one is a tragedy. The death of millions is a statistic. Yeah, exactly. That's what you had. You can sensationalize the terrorist. Um, it was Boko Haram was did the did the two thousand killed two thousand people, uh, the same week as the France attacks, and both are atrocious acts, and both should be reported. And which I mean, I guess they were both reported, but they the attention was given Charlie Hebdo because you had a bunch of you had a catchphrase. Uh, you had a bunch of dead white people, and you had just we Charlie. I am Charlie. Yeah, so, you, had, you had your catchphrase, so the media loves us little darlings. Yeah. So, so and it is, is, that's the way people portray things. They romanticize crap. They can romanticize those, what, 17 dead people in France? They they won't try to romanticize the 2,000 dead in Africa. Yeah. So. And speaking of romanticizing, we're going to believe that we are so important that Scott received a personal email from Mile High Comics. Right. It was what, did that, to, what did that email say? Um, well, apparently they're having overwhelming sales of their exclusive variant Star Wars number one. And I, I can just imagine a little marketing prick they paid to write this thing. But anyways, <laughs> My High Comics has been awesome. They do have some good prices from time to time and some sales and things like that. But here's here's where they're being a bunch of jackass scalpers. Um, they have limited variant covers of Star Wars number one, which is something we'll get into big time here in just a few minutes about these variants. But they have uh, six cut. They have six covers that form together to form a one large image. They're all variants exclusive to Mile High. All right, awesome. Except for one thing: the charge of twenty dollars a book, and they're saying because they're selling so many, they're going to have to raise the price. Well, typically when you're selling a whole bunch, you either leave the price the same or you drop it a little bit to enhance sales even more. Supply and demand. Supply and demand. They're making it sound like it's costing them too much money to sell it at $19.99 when it's selling out. So we're going to increase it. Well, I mean, I guess theoretically it could. Well, it's a false increase in demand. Yeah. Sony does this shit all the time. We're forced – and they use the word forced – to raise the price to twenty four ninety nine, and then they go on to state that if the sales continue to go at this pace, I'm paraphrasing them, um, they will be forced to raise the price again to twenty nine ninety nine. So whether that book sells another copy or not, I guarantee you, within a month, it's going to be twenty nine ninety nine. What they're doing is they are being their own eBay. Before these people start scalping it, we're going to scalp it ourselves. We should get a cut of this. You know what? What they ought to do is just create some eBay accounts and build up some freaking sales and eBay their own shit under a freaking uh, ghost name. But 
they are limiting sales of each of each variant to five per customer. You know, so the guy that has ten different accounts to order with will still get fifty copies of your book to sell on eBay. So whatever, uh, start limiting it to one to at least reduce it or two. You know, I, I really wish that retailers, if stuff is selling this this well, then let everybody have a chance to get it. It's like the Majora's Mask limited edition; you can't get it. Uh, the Amiibos, you can't get that stuff. You know, and you go to Slick Deals and they're bragging about all this stuff they're buying. And I'm, oh, I ordered fifty, whatever. The retailers don't really care, and neither does the producers. You know. They don't care because, well, whether the scalpers buy it or the customers that love our product buy it, I don't really give a shit because somebody's buying it. And that, that makes good business sense in one area. But long-term uh, brand loyalty, which is something that's very important to consumers, I think that suffers. So make your stuff available to people uh, instead of just making it available to scalpers and people that don't have a job and their job is to set and scalp. You know, I've, I've, I would like to have had a couple of these things, and the world's not going to freaking in because they didn't get them. But you know, oh, they're having the Majora's Mask limited edition. That's cool. Well, I worked all day. I come home. I'll try and order that. Nope, sold out in like seven minutes. Yeah. You know, at noon or something. Uh, so it, that's just kind of the issue, and it leads into to some other things with these variant covers. So we'll get onto that in a second. Let's just go ahead and do it. Star Wars number one. One million copies sold. This has not happened in, well, since maybe Walking Dead 100. Did it break a million? I do not know. But I know that the last time Marvel had something this popular was like X-Men number one back in like 93. Yeah. So Marvel has decided that to make this special, we're going to put out 100 variant covers. Over. Over over 100 variant covers. Now, let's do some history. Back in the 90s, comic books were very, very popular. It was at their height. I mean, uh, a major comic book would sell anywhere between 1 to 5 million. And if, hell, if you sold less than 100,000, fuck, you were canceled. Now, uh, now you'd be lucky to get 100,000 sold. If that, oh, yeah. that's a top seller. Even the 52, it was, which created some hype, they were, what, 60, 70, 80,000, something like that. And so, yeah, that was hyped. Yeah. So, so what, what the publishers would do, they would put out all these variant covers, and the people would buy all of these variant covers. And what it would do is it would artificially inflate the market. Because you would think there is such demand for this series. So they would put out issue two and issue three. Nobody would buy those issues because nobody gives a shit because the people were just buying up certain issues. So the market is flooded with worthless books because the market is not there to support it. And now we're doing this. There's no no attrition either. Now we're doing this again. Now hopefully it's just one issue, but it still brings back a lot of bad memories. Well, yeah, it almost killed the comic industry. Um, and look at baseball cards. You know, I used I, I we live in a rural area, and you could drive up down the road and see three or four mom and pop type baseball shops back in the '80s, and even into the early '90s. And that stuff's all gone because they just mass produced everything too much. They didn't think of sustainability. Uh, which I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe the first time it happened, the comic books industry was kind of caught off guard, possibly. 
but they did have the baseball cards to look at and things like that that was st- that was starting to fall off pretty hard. But the, again, there's no attrition with this. These books will these books exist and they don't get torn up by you know what gets torn up like happened in the 30s through the 70s or mid to late 70s was people bought a comic book and they threw it down, they walked on it, they it disappeared. You know, it was something that you know. Oh well, I'm gonna clean my house up today and I'll stack all my comic books up. And uh, my three or four I have and stick them in a drawer, and they would lay there for 20 years before somebody would find them or 30 years. That's where some of these valuable comics from back in the day come from. It wasn't until the mid to late 70s people started the bagging and boarding and collecting part of it, really, not on a widespread basis. And in the 80s and 90s, it just went apeshit. So these books are all in plastic with cardboard backers, and they're vaulted, and they're, I've got books in safes. You know, Of course, mine were from the mid-60s, but regardless, people put these books up, they protect them, and they never disappear, which means they never become rare. They never become uncommon. I mean, look at Image Comics. Image number one of just name your title. (laughs) (laughs) There's hundreds of titles that was Image number one because they just flooded the market. Image was terrible, and then they had all the variants. Uh, Marvel was terrible with all their variants and titles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there was a I mean... Change the industry. Changed the industry, but I mean, it killed the business. That's yeah. exactly what it did. It's like, uh, I mean, it creates hype. Don't get me wrong, but it, is it good for long-term business? Well, high comics would probably say it is. Well, of course they will because they're selling twenty-five dollar. We're going to jack the price up next week. Regular comic. I mean, and maybe, and maybe they have to. I'm not saying that they're completely being criminal because maybe they they paid an artist. To do this, you know what I'm saying. So maybe there's some sort of other agreement that it's not that easy to um, sell that book at four dollars or five dollars. So I, I mean that that could happen. But nineteen dollars and twenty five dollars and whatever, whatever royalties they're paying that artist, maybe that has something to do with it. But I mean, I don't know. It just seems artificial to me. Artificial hype. It's like he's like he's modern games that come up missing so quick. It's because scalpers buy it all and they're hoarding it. So, but, you know, I don't know. Um, but if you're missing any of those from the old Dark Horse days, hey, Marvel has the republishing rights to Dark Horse Star Wars comics, and they will be put up on Comicology, which I don't know if they're going to be able to put it on their Marvel subscription servers or not. It probably will. I would say so, since they obviously have the digital rights to it, so why not? I, uh, Scott, I you were a big it. whore for Dark Horse comics. Still am. Yeah. Um, the Star Wars Dark Horse comics. Is I liked I liked a lot of different titles. Um, there was a there was a couple good decent like Godzilla's. It was Concrete. I think Concrete was Dark Horse. Dark Horse Presents had good stuff. Um, there were some good Predator comics. Um, Batman there was some versus- good Terminator stuff. Yeah, Batman vs Predator was was good. Superman vs Aliens one was was pretty decent. Um. So yeah, there's a lot of good things that Dark Horse has done. Um, Star Wars Legacy of the Force, I think that's what it was called. That was a pretty good series. And then we talked about one on a previous show with the Empire and Rebellion. Those were good comics. Um, but yeah, Dark Horse, you know, they make some good stuff. Conan, all that stuff. But uh, that's gone for Star Wars. That's all to Marvel now. So I hope it comes to the subscription service because I've read quite a few of those. Um. 
Dark Horse Star Wars comics, but you know, there's ones I didn't pick up. You know, I've got I think I have the entire series of Empire. Um I don't have the entire series of Rebellion and uh I'm not interested in getting the entire series of those anymore. But yeah, I would love to read them. So if it comes to the subscription service, that's probably going to put me over the hump on getting my own uh, subscription. So, but I really wish Dark Horse would hurry up and get their own subscription service. <laughs> so. Hey, but going back to Star Wars number one real quick, um, Superman seventy five was not the sole um, the sole book responsible for the 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 initial comic book crash. But it was it was probably the biggest, most high profile title that had a lot to do with it. And like Paul was talking earlier about people going out and buying all these number ones, was well, Superman number seventy five had all these like bagged and boarded editions that came out. You know, they were sealed editions with the armbands and everything. This was a death of Superman issue, people. Yeah, death of Superman. Um so yeah. They had all those books and and everybody and their mother was buying those books. I mean, my preacher bought the books. Uh, people I went to school with were buying the books that were never into comics because they thought there was going to be a collectible value to this. This book's going to be worth a million dollars someday. I heard that from 30- and 40-year-old people when I was a teenager. And uh, that wasn't going to be true anyways, but especially with the amount. I mean, well, how many printings did that book have? Nine? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah, there's, there's, there's so many copies of that book on the market. And uh, people put them up, and they didn't disappear. Yeah. So, and they didn't wait to try to cash in on this either. There was people trying to freaking get this big dollar out of Superman seventy five at the conventions in no time, and then they brought Superman back, which hurt it even more. Yeah. You know, not that the, I thought that was a good overall storyline, but as far as sales go, it it I think it really hurt, and it was it was kind of this perception of these new people that maybe were kind of getting interested in comics. We're like, well, they killed him, but then they just turned around and brought him back. So why do I want to read this stuff? You know, yeah. we DC, understand it, but DC not your average consumer. Yeah, DC did not put that out for the collector. Had they put it out as a really special event, they would have limited it to maybe a hundred thousand. Because at that time, remember, you're talking millions. Yeah. Limit that thing to a hundred thousand, fifty thousand copies. And that's it. But they decided, fuck no, we're going to put millions and millions, and we're going to keep reprint and reprint and reprint. Because <laughs> look at all the money, look at all the press. Oh wait, the the market just bought them out. What happened? Yeah. So hopefully this doesn't happen all over again with the Star Wars variants, because by all accounts, Star Wars number one is freaking selling shitloads, and other publishers and other titles are going to pay attention to that. So let's hope. That we, you know, we don't start getting this stuff. These special events are going to have variant covers are going to take off. You wait and see. Um, isn't there a new Civil War starting soon or something with Captain America? Or has that already started? Um, don't be surprised if they don't put variant after variant after variant out on that. Actually, there is a variant, I believe, of Captain America uh, available on GameStop. Oh yeah, forgot about that. Um, GameStop has exclusive comics through their Power Up Rewards program, which. I've got two, so I guess I'm a part of the problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, they're pretty cheap as far as GameStop points go. They're 8,000 points, and there is a exclusive, uh, an exclusive Star Wars that is limited to only 10,000 prints, and of those 10,000 prints, there are 10 more variants of the variant. 
So those ten books are going to probably hold some value because there's only ten of them. But in comparison to all the other hundred variants of Star Wars, who knows? Um, there's also an Army of Darkness book, which was limited to a thousand prints. So I grabbed it, and I grabbed the Star Wars. And uh, there's a Captain America, Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think there's another title, and I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. So if at 8,000 points, it isn't really that bad. And I would rather have an Army of Darkness or Star Wars um, variant like that's only limited to 10,000 prints for my 8,000 points than putting them towards a $15 gift card. So, hey, if you have GameStop rewards, go check it out. Be a part of the problem, like me. Yeah. Todd McFarlane says the entire Spawn catalog is coming to digital. Todd tried very hard to keep everything going to regular issues, but with the uh, brick-and-mortar stores not being around so often, you can't really support them if they're not there. And so he had to go digital with it. And, yeah. you know, it's understandable. However, the, he went with fucking comicology, which... I used to support these people. I used to think they were doing good. And then they sold out and went to Amazon. And Amazon decided, you know what? We are on iOS and Android. And you know what? We just don't want to give Apple any, you know, maybe their their little 30% cut. So, um, fuck you. If you want to buy one of our digital books, you actually have to go on the website and get the book from us because we're not going to give Apple any money. So you are on a very, I mean, why even be on a fucking iOS device anyway? I think it's funny. Fuck Apple. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's stupid. In the long term, giving a cut would be more profitable than not having it direct from the device. That is stupid. You are making it more difficult for your customers. That's why I don't buy anything from Comicology. You're on Apple's platform. Look how massive it is. I mean, we we dog on the companies for trying to make money, but they, they try to make money on shit that actually hurts the industry. Here's something that helps them and makes money at the same time. So there's no there's no losing situation here. It's win-win, and they don't do it. But the win-lose, they'll do all day long. But win-win, they won't. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, Amazon, you're... Look, Kindle's fucking awesome. Yep. Kindle Fire. Scott loves it. Yeah, but, I mean, there's drawbacks, but yeah. Yeah, there, there's drawbacks. Your, your own little... You got a sideload shit, but... Yeah, your, your bullshit operating system you had, which is a rip-off of, of Android because you couldn't really come up with your own operating system. Seriously. Quit being... Douchebags and just make it easy for everybody. Now, this is old news. They may have already fixed it where you can actually get it off iOS. I don't know. Because, you know what? Fuck you. That's why I went ahead and I subscribed to um, Marvel Unlimited. Sure, I'm like six months behind on some stuff, but I can also go ahead and buy my shit straight off my app. Yep. I don't have to go to the website. So, fuck you, Amazon. Well, here's the other thing. Well, Amazon uh, Prime is a great fucking service, though. I will say that. Yes. Uh, the other thing about Comixology, Star Wars number one. We're back to that freaking book. I'm starting to hate this book. I think I might just burn my copy. Um, and I, I haven't even read it yet. It's in the mail. Uh, $5 for the uh, original uh, version. Yeah. $4 for, like, Conan Red Sonja. You know, 
they they really need to adopt a competitive price model. I'm not gonna pay four dollars for a non-physical item. I, I don't care. You make it to where I can't access my content someday because of licensing rights or the freaking internet goes down in the goddamn apocalypse. I want to have my physical shit to pick up and hold. I'm sorry. You know? This isn't the Red Sonya that we read for free, is it? No, this is the Conan Red Sonya. Oh, okay. have a crossover going on right now. So four dollars for Sonya number one, and there are well-priced items on Comicsology. Don't get me wrong, but shit, man, take advantage of the market and all that, I guess. But that that Star Wars number one will be five dollars ten years from now on there. So and, and I could probably be able to get a copy in a uh, lot on eBay for fifteen cents or less. That's how I get most of my books. Uh, I pay no more than thirty cents a book when I buy a lot. So whatever. Tell you what, I'm going to grab a Dr. Pepper, and Scott is going to go over something that we completely skipped because we were pissed off over something. I don't remember what it was. but uh, No, I made that one up, but we're not going to miss it this week. What? The retro game? Yeah. The yeah, opening I game of the week. Yeah, we did We did Beetle Adventure Racing last week. Um, okay. Gunstar well, Heroes. Go, go with that. Gunstar Heroes. Dr. Pepper. Make me a sandwich. Melt Your old man game of the week. <laughs> yeah, old man game of the week. Um, Gunstar Heroes for the Sega Genesis. Uh, it's a it's a run and gun like Contra. It was exclusive to Sega, and uh, I believe there was a Game Gear version too, but had some differences uh, like a jetpack level. But either way, it was uh, the one for Sega Genesis is amazing, and it's as good, if not better, than the Contra game. Uh, Two player co op, just like Contra. Uh, but it was more insane. There was more action. Uh, it was developed by a company uh, called Treasure, and a lot of these guys come over from Contra development. They used to work for Konami, so then they went and made their own company, and or at least worked for another company, and they made a game much like Contra, but it was a big improvement to the formula that was like uh, Contra Hardcore. Um, the art was cartoon-styled, Kind of reminds you a little bit of a 16-bit Metal Slug. Uh, animation's top-notch. Uh, you got different control options for how you fire, too. I think Contra was better in this respect with the being able to just hold the button and stay in fixed position. But you could pick at the beginning of the game whether you wanted to free aim or fixed aim. Free aim means you could just run a gun like Contra on NES. Fixed aim meant whenever you shot, you had to stop. But you could aim better. And some of the bosses, the way they move... It, you definitely want fixed aim, but then some of the other ones you wish you had free aim. So it bounces back and forth between strong and weak, and that's a very good dynamic in the game. Uh, very interesting. Um, you could grapple your enemies and throw them, or you could grab your partner and throw them. And there was another special attack where you could like slide. It did a lot of damage um, and allowed you to move through obstacles and things. And uh, so... Yeah, you had a vitality bar, so it wasn't like you just took one hit, because in this game, if one hit killed you, you were done. There, there's no way you could finish this game. I, I would not believe you could finish it without, like, time assist tools. But uh, vitality bar, there was health pickups, things like that, and you need them, because there's, there's just stuff everywhere on the screen. Uh, it's bounced out a little bit even with that, because there's only one that continues. Uh, very, 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 very difficult, but very easy to pick up and play, and after a few runs, you start... You know, figuring it out. Uh, kind of like Life Forces is really hard learning curve, and then all of a sudden it's just, bam, I can play it. Um, borrowing lives, just like in Contra, except that when you borrow a guy's life, because you only get one, um, 
you take half of his health when you come back, whatever's remaining. So there's a lot of different weapon pickups you can combine and make, I think, 14 different combinations of weapons because you can hold two at a time and you can fire the weapon that you choose or you can press the weapon select button a third time and it combines them and creates a new effect. So you get like homing lasers, things like that. Uh, the bosses, they're really big. They move a lot. They have a lot of health and they have like four, five, six thousand health. And they transform a lot and they, they change and the animations are just awesome. Uh, there's vehicles to ride. There's slopes you slide down and get in these crazy firefights. Uh, all kinds of different enemy types. You got that anime inspired humor here and there. Um, you can pick your first four levels in any order. So there's there's a lot of different things about it that, you know, I think would have been awesome in some of the Contra games. Uh, and to me, it might be the best Genesis game. I I think that Contra Hardcore has the same quality, but I find Gunstar Heroes to be more enjoyable. Because Contra is, is awesome, and I love hard games, but man, that game is insanely hard. So at least I can sit down with my son and enjoy Gunstar Heroes, whereas Contra and my son's just he's just getting wiped out. So, uh, but you can get it on multiple platforms. It's available on the Wii Shop, iOS, Steam, Xbox Live, and PlayStation Network. Uh, the Live and PSN versions don't allow players to respawn and co-op, but the other ones do. So you have to wait until the next level to continue. Don't know why, but it's just the difference. Uh, for collectors. Or people, you know, if people just want to play on the original cartridge, uh, a copy is around twenty-five to thirty-five dollars on eBay if you can get a good auction. Buy it nows are around forty to sixty dollars, so it isn't really cheap considering how old it is. But it's not the most common games; it didn't sell that well. But it's not really rare either. So, uh, and obviously the complete copies are going to go for more. Uh, but sometimes you can find the complete copies for around sixty bucks. So I highly, highly, highly recommend Gunstar Heroes. It may be the best Genesis game there is. At least it's on top of a lot of people's list. Is that because you're sexist and there's only one woman in the whole game? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Didn't this game come out in... Because um, we just have to rescue him otherwise. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess you have to. Yeah. Because he's kidnapped by the Empire. There's a woman and she's strong. Yes, he's kidnapped <laughs> by the Empire. It's a bargaining chip for gems. Didn't this yeah. come in a... um? There's some compilations. Like yeah. yeah, there's. I think there's one for PS2. I'm not sure if it was one for PS3. Pretty sure PlayStation 2 has a copy, too. You can um, also get this on iOS. Yeah. I'm not sure how well that would work out. but um, Yeah, that game... It, I On a touch screen with your finger in the way, that game is hard, man. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of stuff flying on the screen. So I don't know about a touch screen version. Did you mention that Treasure Cole Limited is the people who... Actually developed the game. Yeah. Yeah. You may be more familiar with their Wario World game if you guys haven't played Gunstar Heroes. Yeah, if it's even the same people still working. I'd say it wasn't, but uh. Yeah, but at the time these were guys that come off of Contra development, so. That's very Contra. It shows. Yeah, they they worked on a couple different uh, Konami titles, so yeah, definitely it's uh, Gunstar Heroes Treasure Box was the PS2 game, so. They also did Tiny Toon Avengers. Those are good games. Yeah. That Konami flair to them. Woo! 15th Annual Game Developer Award nominees were announced not too long ago. Um, the IGN was out, but really oh, they're critics, cow. and I don't really give a fuck about it. But with the Game Developers Award, 
this may actually show a swing of how games will be developed or <laughs> what they're going to rip off over the next couple of uh, years. Uh, the game of the year, the nominees were Bayonetta 2, Shadow of Mordor, Destiny, Hearthstone, and Alien Isolation. I'll be damned, Scott. We've actually played every single one of these games this year. Yeah. One form or another. Yeah, I've uh, I've played all these, but I only played the Destiny demo. Um, the the free beta weekend. Yeah. And uh, uh Destiny I don't think is in the same realm as the other four games. It's I think it's okay, but I just I think there's a lack of content, but I'm basing that solely off of the beta and my four or five friends that are playing it still. And they say they're kind of running into that same wall. So my own personal experience, I can't really say a whole lot about it. I was enjoying it up to the point to where I realized in order for me to actually level up, I'm going to have to grind it. And grinding it by playing the multiplayer same. aspect. Well, the, the the what really irritated me was... You're like you get all these quests and you're going through the game and in your first impression you're like man this is this is intense this is good this is good it was, awesome. it was yeah the first 15 20 minutes and then I had to keep going back to the same exact areas which had slightly different enemies and I was like well, wait a minute what's going on here it's like a free to play game isn't it oh uh, yeah a little bit yeah so I was a little little disappointed in that that the uh, that if that progression continued and there was these huge open areas. I mean, there are big open areas, but they're populated, and you go back to them doing missions over and over and over again, just like any other MMO, I guess. I guess so. Maybe it's more disappointment that it's like every other MMO, <laughs> uh, rather than um, being something a little more fresh. Which there is a lot of freshness to it, but I, I will probably dabble back into Destiny at some point. But I'm probably gonna go over to a friend's house and try out his copy uh, and see how it's playing before I commit any money to it. And that's only if I get an Xbox One because that's what they're all playing on. So, but yeah, Bayonetta 2, amazing. Uh, believe it or not, I've spent probably more time playing the online co-op than I have the actual um, game. So I'm about probably 10 hours into the single-player campaign, but I've probably got 10 or 15 hours in the co-op. Okay, what is the co-op mode like? Okay, co-op mode is as you play through the single-player game, you unlock these cards because each section is is called a verse, and they're verse cards, and you unlock boss fights and situations from the game, and it you basically play them in these little set arena, and it's the same enemy uh, configuration and and number and stuff, and you and another player play together to beat those, and you got to beat six of them in a row in order to win. But there, you can bet against each other how much um, money you're going to spend. So, but the more you bet, the more difficult it becomes. So when you bet against each other, whoever does the most damage or does the most combo hits or something is the one that wins the bet. So it's a good way of boosting the amount of in-game currency. But I've had a lot of fun with it. So, and you and there's uh, 30 verses or more than that to get. So very, 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 very fun. Um, but I'm probably reaching the end of my time with the co-op because I mean I've played 15 hours of it. I've pretty much seen all there is to see of it. So uh, it may take, depending on which sections you pick from the verse cards, it may run from five minutes to ten minutes to get through all of them. 
but you get loads and loads and loads of money because really the stuff you buy in the game in the store is outrageously priced. I mean, everything's expensive, and even getting pure platinums and getting all the the money for that it it would take many playthroughs of the single player to get everything. So if you want to get everything, you definitely want to hit co-op mode. Very fun. But I haven't tried to play it with friends. I've just played it with random people. So I'd have to actually sit down and look and see if I could even do a an Xbox Live style invite or anything. So it would be very convoluted, probably. <laughs> it probably would be. I'd be surprised if it worked that well. But I'd we'll get see. your invite in about five months. Yeah, uh, Middle Earth. You know, I've got eight nine hours into that. That's really good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, but, I found out the best way to actually enjoy that game is just you know, forget about doing the main storyline and just grind the shit out of it for two, three hours, uh-huh. and you will be leveled up and you will be a bad motherfucker. Well, uh, I'm not really kill grinding every- to be overpowered, but that's what's happening. I'm just loving it. Yeah, I mean, you can just go up there and stealth kill. <laughs> That's basically what's happening. I'm just smashing fools. Like, yeah. I'm going to kill this big monsters though. I haven't figured that out yet. you got to be a little bit stronger. Oh, yeah. I need to be a lot stronger. I'm only through, like, second or third golem thing. So, yeah, I haven't went that far into the game. I'm just having a blast hunting people down and messing shit up. Yeah, yeah. That's so, fine. Very good. Uh, Hearthstone... I finally dabbled that into that this week, and you know I have a I have a regular nine to five job, eight to four I guess, and uh, it suffered yesterday because I stayed up like half the night playing <laughs> Hearthstone because I was gonna beat that damn shaman on the freaking practice mode, and finally I had to look on Google and uh, they was you know try the priest. I tried the priest and beat him in one turn, but yeah I was up till probably two or three o'clock one morning uh, playing and I had to go into work dragging ass. Yeah, that's so, probably about as far as I made into the game, and I said, I'm done. Well, the pre, it it's just like when the PvP in Warcraft, you know, by, and I'm going off of uh, Wrath of the Lich King was probably the last time I really PvP'd, and I don't really, I don't play the game anymore anyway, it's been years. Um, but certain classes acted as counterclasses to other characters. So, like, a warrior was a good counter character to a rogue because of overpower. And the dodge. Overpower is an ability to activate on dodge, which is a huge thing that rogues do, and it's an instant unavoidable hit. So, yeah. Uh, mages smoked warriors. Um, hunters had an easier time with mages. Uh, you know, so... Uh, rogues ate shamans alive. Priests did good with shamans. So, yeah. It's it's kind of built off that. So you got you can't just play one deck. you got to have to mix your decks up. Especially if we're going to go online and play, which I'm getting my shit wrecked in that. Of course, I don't have a whole lot of cards unlocked either. And it is guys close to my level, but there's some cards I was wishing I had. And they know what they're doing better than I do. So, so what, do you, what do you think the developers are going to go with? Middle-Earth? I think they're going to go with uh, Middle-Earth. And the Innovation Award, Bounden, Middle-Earth, War of Mine... Well, this war of mine. Don't forget Alien Isolation. Was yeah, on I that. that game. Vengeance yeah, of yeah, Ethan yeah. Carter in Monty Pit Valley. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> that's probably the second best Alien in Scott. For me, that's my number two on that list. I'd have to go with Bayonetta 2 right now. But anyways, right, Innovation right. So on that list, your number one choice out of that list would be Bayonetta 2? Yep. 
Okay. Innovation Award. Um, I say they're probably going to give it to Mordor. Just due to the... Um, Nemesis system? Nemesis system, yeah. I haven't played any of those other games. I know what Vanishing of Ethan Carter is, but I haven't heard of the other ones even. So. This War of Mine, from what I looked, saw, it looked like a um, side-scrolling... I have heard of War of Mine, but I haven't read anything about it. I did see... That's been coming up in the forums a lot on these different yeah. sites I go to. It looks like a side-scrolling survivalist type game. You have I mean, to survive like the world will flip on its... Well, it already has. You're already in a war, but you have to try to survive, so you get limited amounts of uh, supplies, and you have to handle uh, those. You have to stop people from stealing your shit, and you got to steal theirs or buddy up with people. It's it's one of those type of games. I have to try that out. But uh, yeah, of course. I, I mean, I heard Monument Valley is really good, but I think that's an iOS only game. We'll back up a step here real quick. <laughs> Bayonetta 2 versus Alien Isolation for me. I prefer the survival horror genre. I um, had more fun with Bayonetta 2 because Alien Isolation steals your lunch money. It's just the way it is. It's hard. Your blood pressure's up. Your heart's thumping. Your, the anxiety is really high. So as far as best experience... I would say Alien Isolation. But as far as best gameplay and just being fun, Bayonetta 2 is more fun to me. But moving forward. Mortal Kombat. Uh, the date has been announced for April 14th, 2015. And the I, X, Xbox shit. The that's a, that's Mortal Kombat moment. custom controller has also been shown. It is a, um, well, it's a glorified six-button <laughs> Sega Genesis controller. And it's wire, so you you had that like that extra like millisecond of delay. Delay. Which if me and you's playing, we ain't gonna give a shit because we're not competitive players for that. No. I'll get on play ranked. Don't get me wrong, but I don't really give a shit about that millisecond delay because I'm gonna be fighting lag anyways. Um, Controller will be released for PlayStation, Xbox, and the PlayStation version will work with. PS3 and PS4, and that's nice. Its price is expected to be somewhere between $35 and $50. If you buy it at GameStop, it will cost $75 to say. If they have a Freddy Krueger edition, I'm all, I'm all on top of that. He's, he's, is he even in this one? He has not been announced yet, but uh, I, I wouldn't doubt that they have some little surprises in there. Yeah. Um, I hope the dates, the release date's not a bad omen for the franchise. That's the day the Titanic sank. Struck the iceberg anyways. April 14th. Yeah, but they're not jumping the shark, so they should be fine. Yeah, let's, let's hope so. Yeah. Um, I, that is a game, if I actually get paid, I will... Um, I think that's going to be a pre-order. I'll probably do like one night beforehand. <laughs> Milk it out as long as possible. And then read a bunch of reviews. No, I, I mean, usually I love Mortal Kombat. I've only... I've never played... I've never played a mainline Mortal Kombat I didn't at least enjoy. Uh, some wasn't as good as others, but... I don't uh, even enjoyed Shaolin Knights for what it was. Or Shaolin Mush, whatever the fuck it was. Sub Zero. Yeah, I didn't care for those. Sub Zero. As as fighting games, there's not one of them. I've, I've liked everything, including the versus DC and the um, Injustice. I like both of those, and they're styled a lot like that. But, yeah, it's Mortal Kombat. It's going to be at least decent. I did play Shaolin with a, a friend, so doing the co op mode was a little bit fun. But yeah, that makes a difference. You can take a. Like I said, 
Clayton Marines is a, is, is a terrible game, but it can be fun with a friend. The, you know, as long as you know what your expectations are. You know, get high or drunk or something even might help. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure, you know, a lot of games, that, that co-op is a big selling point to a lot of people. So I just hope like, to God PSN doesn't go down this time when the game's released. Oh, yeah, that would suck. They, uh, yeah, but Mortal Kombat, yeah, sign me up. I pro- I'm not going to pre-order it. I'm, I'm done pre-ordering. I'm never pre-ordering again. So, but, I, you, but you were you hit gold mine with Alien Isolation on this pre-order. That's the last one. That's it. I'm done. So you're not going pre-order Arkham Knight? No, I'm not supporting pre-order bullcrap anymore. Let me let me break that down. Let me let me let me back up. I retract prior statement. Unless it's a limited edition that has something that I see value in. I'll pre-order that because scalpers are fucking raping everybody. <laughs> like the Majora's Mask. I like that statue. I have like the Zelda Wind Waker HD edition. And um, it's really cool. I like it. Look at it on the shelf. So I would do something like that that has like a, a figure that isn't $90. They're, they only charge 10 extra dollars for that. That's what I call value. Just like Wind Waker HD. It was only 10 more dollars. It wasn't, hey, we're going to put a booklet in here and a cheap art book and a crappy looking resin statue for, you know, 60 more dollars. Uh, I don't, I don't support that crap. You know, as much as I like um, the Alien franchise before I found out Clear Marine sucked, um, I didn't pre-order it because I thought the statue looked like crap and there was, it was just too much money. So, you know, and you had like your Hunter editions for AVP in 2010 were like a hundred and some dollars and they were packed full of junk. Cool junk, but junk. So, yeah, no pre-orders for me unless there's something I see valuable in the, um, in like a collector's edition, like the Steelbook Lifeboat edition of Alien: Isolation that Europe got. Damn you, Sega. Hmm. Well, speaking I'm of sure aliens, all, all the um, are we going with aliens now? No, Bug Hunt. Oh. Which is where the word come from for alien for me. Yeah, it was a prior term in the military, but I was going to say that I'm sure all 16 of our subscribers are wondering. You know, they haven't talked about Ubisoft yet, so it's time. time It's time for the buck hunt. No Ubisoft this week. What? I think. Yeah, actually, I think this show just jumped the shark. Yes, I think Dan contributed to this one, didn't he? No, no, I did. You did? Oh. I I just want you guys to know, if there's a writer on the show, (laughs) (laughs) it's this guy. Um, No, everybody contributes, but I... uh, (laughs) Dan did... What the fuck did Dan put on here? Yo, he put the one that we cut out. The one we're going to do next week since he's not here. Yeah. So... Next week when Dan's back, we're going to talk about the Legendary Encounters Alien game. And there was another – well, you deleted it. What was the other game? Dominion? It's another board game? Yeah. I think I'm going to have to try some of this stuff out. I've I've kind of turned my nose up at the board games and card games and stuff, unless it's like digital. And uh, I think I'm going to have to buy one. But I just bought the mic and webcam, so Legendary Encounters is going to have to wait. But back to Bug Hunt. Sonic Boom gets a one gigabyte patch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like yeah. dropping a turd on a 
freaking in a bowl full of <laughs> diarrhea. Uh, <laughs> on Wii U at that, which you know you have Ugh. very limited amount of hard drive space on there. So big red button, yeah, you know the big red one right here. Oh yeah, if you've got the basic, you can't even upgrade. You can't even update that game at this point. No. I'm sure. I mean, it's got like 4.7 gigs or 4.1 gigs of patch date on it just for the OS. So yeah, that's a huge. That's a big patch, and um, for a console game like that, and I mean the game's broken. I mean it's just it's not broken, but it's it's so buggy, and uh, that's one gigabyte. That's huge. One that game should never have been released. One three seven mix. And sadly, it outsold like a good game like Bayonetta, you know. But Bayonetta's a niche title. This this is Sonic. Everybody likes Sonic. Come on, they just they have to for to keep making the game. Well, and Bayonetta also is a mature rated title, and Sonic yeah, is too. a kiddie title. So yeah, and it's got the cartoon, yeah, new toys and things like that. So Ubisoft, you're off the hook this week. Just saying. Yeah. We'll probably see you next week, but. Uh, yeah, you're off the hook this week. But the patch the was only for Europe. Broken, man. The patch was only for Europe at this point. Yeah. So as far as we know, we look, yeah, as far as we know, um, I don't own it to go stick it in the console and find out. But uh, no patch notes yet. But one website, I wish I had marked that was, so I at least give them credit. Anyways, a website reported that um, it it eliminated an exploit that you can use to beat the game in less than an hour. And I'm assuming it takes six, seven, eight hours to beat this game. Um, but you could select Knuckles, and you use a special attack, then you pause and repeat, and you just keep doing that. Nintendo Insider. Nintendo Insider, that's right, that's who it was. And um, that allows you to skip through the game and beat it in less than an hour. So if you uh, want to beat this game in less than an hour, uh, just don't get the patch data. And I would say that counts as a legitimate completion since the game is so damn buggy. So I had I had no hope for Sonic Boom, the first gameplay video I watched. Um I didn't get my heart broken like I did with Lost World, which looked good to me in the videos, and then the auto targeting was broken. So which I think I think Lost World was decent. I think it was decent to good. It's just you had to be ready for that auto targeting to leave you out hanging in space and fall into your death. So yeah, if you have automatic updates turned on your Nintendo, you're going to lose a gig if you still got that save file. There. Yeah, no shit. So delete. Um, yeah, get an external hard drive. That's all I can say. And it doesn't matter if you well, do that. you're going to need hey. every system you have at this point. The the game files are so big on the others. It doesn't matter if you get 2.0 or 3.0 um, USB because the um, Wii U will only read and write, well, it will only write 2.0 speed, but 3.0 is backward compatible, so it doesn't matter. Get whichever one's cheaper. And if you and get if if you don't have one with a if it doesn't have an external power supply for an external hard drive, you have to get one with a Y cable. Because the single port on the the Wii U doesn't generate enough wattage for the uh, most of the um, Enough power for most of the external hard drives, which sucks if you're a Skylanders or Infinity person. You only have those two ports on the back anyways, and you have to start using your front ports, which I don't even know what the specs on the front ports are. But yeah, get a Y cable. If you get an external hard drive, get you one with a Y. And you can get up to two gigs, so 
Uh, it will read up to two gigs. Yeah, you'll never need another one. A 500 gig will do you. Get on eBay, buy a cheap one with a white cable, and be done with it. Yeah. And the um, Xbox One is the same way. I'm not sure how many gigs you can go up. It's the same way for what? The white cable? hard drive. Needing a white cable? No, no, not needing a white cable, but oh. I mean, how, how many it will read? I think oh, it's... Oh, yeah. Maybe two gigs. And, of course, you're just shit out of luck with the um, PlayStation 4. You just have to actually replace it. Or, hopefully, was it Nico, Nico who has yeah. the um, the bag mount drive? The mount, yeah. If Let it actually comes out this year. On it. Yeah, but gosh. I mean, it looks cool in concept, but I know it's going to look like shit sitting on the freaking entertainment center. <laughs> it just looked, it looked kind of goofy. It looked like, it looked like um, Skynet designed a console. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't find the gun to attach to it. It looks like a it looks like a hunter killer kinda. So Friday no, the thir- Bug Hunt. Yeah, Friday the thirteenth game will be released in October. We have no idea who the developer is, the price. Do we know even know what system is for? There's there's just a very limited amount of info on it. Um concept it releases in October two thousand fifteen. Which is a big, big, big warning sign to me. There's not any information on this, and it's releasing in October of this year. So there's like nine months to go, and there's nothing to know about it except the concept, basically. And uh, players team up as a group of survivors trying to defeat a player-controlled Jason. So creator, yeah, creator of the original film and CEO of Crystal Lake Entertainment, Sean S. Cunningham, said that. <laughs> He hinted that an experienced studio is on task, and it would be developed for multiple flat blah 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 platforms. I'm just so tongue-tied here. Um, it's because your tongue was desiring more Dr Pepper. Actually, yes, because I don't Sorry. have any fucking Dr Pepper. I'm stuck drinking Coke. Are you freaking kidding me? Coke? Yes. Versus Dr Pepper, it's just not a good battle, man. Just no, saying. Um. You know, hopefully, maybe someday we'll get popular enough. We'll get sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Yes. I freaking love Dr. Pepper. Um, yeah. Apple and Dr. Pepper is the only sponsors I'll ever need. Oh, uh, yeah, whatever. Anyways. You would love it. You'd love it. You'd love it. You'd when I get a Mac, when I get a Mac here soon, we'll see. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm just biding my time. I'm just, I'm considering. Anyways, uh, moving on to Internet Archive. More than I, I want to talk about this real quick. Go ahead. Friday the 13th television series. Do we really need this? Another one? Yeah, that's what they're talking about. The game's lore not only reference elements from the classic film franchise, but also incorporate content. God damn you, pop-up window. <laughs> incorporate content and themes from the upcoming Friday the 13th television series. I have not heard shit about this. No, I haven't either. I remember the old series. Huh. So, oh, here we go. Well, fuck, this is from May 16th. Um, yeah, probably not happening. You would think something like that would be a little bit more in the, the kind of news that me and you read. Okay. Um, this is from Bloody Disgusting. From. Or maybe I haven't been Bloody Disgusting in a while. May 16th, 2014. This is kind of old, but. Um. 
We already know that, uh, I guess spoilers maybe, we already know that the series is set to tell the story of Pamela and Jason Voorhees as flashbacks. Whereas the present day story, it indeed takes place at Crystal Lake. Cunningham elaborates on the mother-son relationship by saying it's premature to say how the stories will involve the Pamela-Jason relationship, but we have some very exciting ideas of what we'd like the show to be and some new themes we're going to include. But that's all hush-hush at the moment. I can say that the show does take place in Crystal Lake, and Jason will most certainly let his presence be known. So let's just cut to chase. We don't know what the fuck we're going to do, but we want Jason in here, Crystal Lake, and we're going to try to show titties if we can. That's what's going to happen. Here I found the September story on Friday the 13th franchise.com. Uh, film is it, they're quoted some fellow named Sean Cunningham. I'm not sure who that is. That's the guy I was quoting earlier. Oh, he, okay, yeah, yeah. He, he created um, Jason, and he owns CEO of Crystal Lake Films or whatever fuck it is. We're not a horror podcast, people. So, film is in full pre-production to be released. This is quotes. Film is in full pre-production to be released in theaters in 2015, and that the film will lead into the television show. What? What? Wait, so there's a new Friday the 13th film as well? That's exactly what I said. Film is in full pre-production. This was September of this past year. This is a... Wait a minute, wait a minute. No, this is... We were informed by a pretty trustworthy source that when Sean Cunningham was at... So, yeah, nothing official. There's nothing official. That's a rumor. So, three actors. I don't know. Well, let's just Friday Thirteenth Franchise dot com. Let's just go to their most recent news. Platinum Dooms Andrew form updates on script and release for Friday the Thirteenth, two thousand fifteen. Platinum's gonna be fucking awesome. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I wish Platinum Games would make a game where you can be Jason. But anyways, uh, January 14th, got an update on Friday the 13th from Friday the 13th franchise. Um, doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. Working on the script still, hoping to make the movie this year. Uh, Welcome from Jason's in the movie. So they're just working on the script still. So if they release a Jason movie in 2015, guys, just save your money. Because they don't even have the script finished, and it's January the 14th. So, I'm not saying they couldn't do it, but... Oh, oh hold on. Updates on Poltergeist and Friday the 13th reboots. This was posted on January 15th, 2015. Okay, here we go. Collider has juicy bits of horror reboots scoopage regarding both the upcoming Poltergeist remake from Sam Rockwell as well as the most recent Friday the 13th reboot from the producers. First off, don't fucking remake Poltergeist. Leave it alone. Okay, as far as... Um, Modern special effects will run up. Yeah, first off, we have Rockwell discussing the remake of Poltergeist, which has been reimagined by director uh, Gil Keenan from Monster House. Oh, I'm getting excited looking at something here. Go ahead. As revolving around a modern-day ghost hunter, is that the picture of the chick in uh, uh, she was in the bathtub covered in blood? Bathroom? Yeah. yeah, yeah. As revolving around a modern-day ghost hunter show titled Haunted House Cleaners, hosted by Jared Harris's character. Apparently, the center figure this time around 
will be the only one originally called Robbie, as played by Oliver Robbins, who is now called Griffin, and is played by Kyle Catlett, the young and... I don't know who the fuck this movie is. The 10-year-old boy is really the protagonist this time. Joe Beth Williams was the protagonist for the most part, the first one, and now the kid. It's really through his point of view. So it's more of a kid's movie, so I don't know if it's going to be like an R-rated scary. Oh, fuck, it's going to suck. Uh, yeah. Um, Friday the 13th. Okay, here it is, yes. Final soundtrack. Boxed edition. Guys is due out July 24th. Meanwhile, on the slasher front, Paramount's new Friday the 13th is given an update from producers Andrew Form and Brad Fuller of Platinum Dunes to confirm that a certain hockey mask donning individual will be making his not-so-surprising return to the franchise. Just working on the script still, Form said, hoping to make the movie this year, and Brad, I'm going to confirm that Jason is in the movie. There was a rumor out there that Jason was not in it. Jason is in the movie. That is confirmed. Yeah, Jason, they've already tried that experiment once. Yeah. Jason Voorhees returning to make cold cuts out of horny teens. Horror fans can rest easy come the film's release on November 13th. They need to hurry up and kill him off. The new film, currently untitled Friday the 13th, will be directed by David Bruckner from VHS fame. Okay, so the film's coming out November 13th this year and is still writing the fucking script? There is a yeah whatever. There's a Friday the Thirteenth soundtrack box set coming out vinyl. Some awesome art that that looks awesome. I've really got to give me a vinyl record player because I've picked a lot of that stuff up while I've been retro hunting. I've got some Kiss records I've never even listened to. Yeah. Like Back to there. our podcast. More than two thousand DOS games are free now on the Internet Archive. Games like Maniac Mansion, Prince of Persia, and the Oregon Trail are available for free. Along with this also is Bust a Move and Leisure Suit Larry, and the games do not work. Some of them do. I, I tried it out a few months ago. I played. I believe I played some Master System or Game Gear or Genesis stuff on there, and it worked fine. And the DOS games, I don't know if it's just harder for them to stream that type of content or whatever. It was very, very, very buggy. But it's also possible that the news hitting about the MS-DOS games and all the, you know, 30-ish and up people that grew up playing DOS stuff, um, because, I mean, really, me and Paul were right at the end of that. Um, Maybe there's an influx this week. I don't know. But there's definitely, uh, definitely not working very well. And another complaint I could have is that when you uh, log in, you or when you click on your game, you have no idea what buttons to press on the console anywhere, um, or on the uh, keyboard. So I mean, it's pretty clear to hit enter. It's pretty clear to type your name in. Don't get me wrong, but when it comes to push Z to punch or X to jump or space to jump or or anything like that, you can't figure Jack out. So and plus they just sporadically work. So. Rock Band developer Homernex has released a survey that teases a new Rock Band experience and asks fans what they would basically like to see in a new game. Among other things, Harmonix wants to know players' consoles' preference, what instruments they already own, 
which Rock Band game they enjoyed the most in the past, and how many DLC tracks they bought. On the third page of the survey, they were asked to rank the following features by importance. Multiplayer, local, and online. A variety of venues to play in, and so forth. Um, this is not the first uh, survey they had for this game last year. They rolled out one last year, but there currently is no indication that Rock Band 4 is in development. Scott, oh my god, look at that ass. Scott, how do you like Sorry, that? Sorry, I didn't mean to show you my ass on the web. <laughs> this is okay. You got to have a good webcam, buddy. Um, right. When are, uh, <laughs> shit, I'm confused now. Rock Band 4. <laughs> I can tell. You sound <laughs> do you like even. Rock Band? Do you? <laughs> I played Rock Band. It's really cool. It takes up a lot of freaking space. It's something that, you know, one of my, a close friend of mine bought it and he had two kids and we went down and we'd play it and it was a blast. But, um, I bet my kids would love it. But Rock Band was alright. I like Guitar Hero and all that stuff. I mean, you know, I enjoyed uh, the hell out of Rock Band. What's, what's, Rocksmith is good too. But it's a little, it's similar but much more complicated. Well, you uh, are using a real guitar. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I like those games. I mean, they saturated the market for a little while, but uh, I would like to see them have a little more diversity in tracks. So I want to I want to see all the '80s stuff and the '70s, all the classics again. Don't get me wrong, but maybe have some uh, movie soundtracks, maybe score. You know, cranking out some Star Wars Metal Edition. Hire E Rock. Just hire Erock to Erock uh, three thirty one or whatever his name is on YouTube to write your stuff. There you go, done, sealed, delivered. I'll play Revocop Metal Edition. You know what I mean? Just saying, branch it out a little bit. Or some classic soundtracks from games. Even yeah. um, you got uh, the Met, the Halo one on uh, was Guitar, it Guitar Hero three. three? Yeah, which you know, it, it started with metal and it was free. But there was a lot of metal and orchestra and all that stuff mixed together, but or symphony. But yeah, I mean, it was that was really a fun track to play. Plus, it's got that good sweeping beat and all that stuff. So branch out a little bit is what I say. Branch out a little bit. Two quick news stories before we get on to our major topic for the gaming section, which will also be our last story. Apple patents the controller for the iPhone. And what they're really doing is they're just trying to protect themselves from any other patents trying to get in front of them. Basically what happens is the home button, you depress it, it pops up, and you have a controller. It looks like the controller would be somewhat similar to that of the PSP. And then when you're done, you push it back down. Um, it'll never happen because... That fucking thing will snap off big as shit. Yeah, it but, doesn't look cool. No, no, it, it doesn't. But um, I would play it. But the the average consumer, the teen, is yeah. or you you know the average person that's so wrapped up in that visual part of themselves because yeah. they haven't grown out of it yet. They're not going. That's your mass market to attack that with. Yeah, there's going to be people there like it, but it'll never it'll never fly with teen girls and and you know, a lot of team boys. So. Yeah. The fact is, a lot of people who have Apple devices do not even, they shouldn't even be using Apple devices. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, my God, you see the dumbest motherfuckers. I told you the story about work, right? No. I'll tell you, no. oh, I'll tell you no. something off air. Somebody might listen. 
They're bigger than me. Xbox One price was dropped to $350 during the holiday scale. Then they decided, okay, well, holiday sale's over. Let's jack this motherfucker back up to $399. That lasted for what? Two weeks? Three weeks? Yep. And now they dropped it back down again to $350 for another promotion sale, but this time they did not give no end date. Scott, how do you think people who went out and they purchased the Xbox One for the full price of $400 feel after getting ass raped by Microsoft once again for trying to support a product they love? That's what they get for buying a fucking Xbox. Yeah, fuck um, you, Dan. Is it not? <laughs> yeah, fuck off. Has it not been a... a yeah, they're selling a lot, but I mean, they just, eh, they just cost little things like this. Yeah, I don't know. Do an ambassador program, give them ten dollars in freaking DLC or something, or free launch title digital version. I don't know. Give them what was what was one of their launch titles? Give them one season of freaking or one season or episode or whatever the hell it is, a Killer Instinct for free. You know, yeah, make a so you make give them season one and two for because they're they're on the fence. They're on the they're on the mend. But they could very easily slide right back down that slope. But they couldn't. They could not even get to where they are now if they did not lower their price. They cannot compete with Sony on the same price scale. They couldn't compete with the Wii U for like three months. The Wii U was out selling it. Maybe not that long. But they two months maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. The Wii U even outsold it for a little while this year. So yeah, they they need to be very very careful. Yeah, it's it's. By the time fall hit and the Christmas seats, Christmas shopping started, Xbox buried Wii U. But it, it, Microsoft should be very concerned that the worst-selling Nintendo console of all time <laughs> was ahead of them. Um, yeah, they need they need to be very, very, very careful because Nintendo doesn't have third-party support and as good an online infrastructure, and it was it was winning, and that was just with Mario Kart. So Xbox One might want to watch what they're doing. Um, I would just just drop it to three fifty and make it up on peripherals like they do every generation. Just leave it there. Mm-hmm. They, they they make their money. You know, yeah, they lose so much money on consoles, but then they they sell you those controllers for double what they cost, or triple, or quadruple what they actually cost to manufacture. So that's where they need to try to make their money at is the stuff that they're selling on the side, headsets and all that crap. Um, and get get your your DLC sales and all that all those licensing and and uh, fees and everything that they do. That's where they need to focus on making their money so that they don't lose market share or lose brand uh, loyalty and recognition. So They need to be very careful with their pricing. Um, they can't sell them for too much of a loss. I mean, yeah, the company can absorb it, but can the division, can the Xbox division absorb it? That's the kind of thing to think. I don't know. And they quit, just need to be very careful. Quit making bonehead decisions like It's this. just like a, that... That um, cartoon I shared with you on Google Plus, and it shows the guy interviewing uh, Phil Spencer about, you know, what are you going to do to Xbox to make things better, blah, blah, blah. And he picks the mic up and he says, games. And he holds out and he just drops the mic. Yeah. It's exactly it. Games and a good pricing structure. So, And start selling people loans. <laughs> just like cell phones. Start selling people freaking Xbox Ones with a payment plan. People will yeah. freaking do that shit. And then you, then you can charge $500 for your Xbox One. That you're selling in the stores for three fifty. You can put the connect back in there. Yeah. When you started selling the general consumer payments like they did in the eighties and nineties as well as they did and create all these crashes, there's where the money's at. It's in that interest. Yeah. Sell people payments. Quit selling them Xboxes. Start selling them payments. Well, on to the last bit of news. Nintendo Direct, which 
No, I really like these little things. Yeah, I do too. It's straight to the fucking point. There's a whole bunch of games that we're going to be coming out. So, and this are the games we're working on. Let's take a look at them. And they actually have some really good things coming up. Of course, I'm really disappointed that my favorite Nintendo character gets a fucking shitty-ass Rainbow Curse game. But, Scott, go ahead and um, talk about some stuff on here. That's another one. I haven't played a bad Kirby game yet. So, I'm excited. February 20th. Um, happy birthday to our missing guy. Yeah. Maybe Daniel ought to get him a Wii U and Kirby for his birthday. He'll buy a Wii U before he buys PlayStation 4, just to piss us off. Yeah. I'm happy, whatever. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, let's see here. The Wii shop, Wii U here's, here's, the, here's the biggest news, and I hate to say it because they're Wii games, but the price is so ridiculously good. Um, the Wii U eShop is getting three games uh, from the Wii. They're Wii games, but you can play them direct from your Wii U, and it you know, that's that's pretty cool. Digital versions, which means you need that external hard drive. Uh, Mario mm-hmm. Galaxy 2, the Punch-Out for Wii, and Metroid Prime Trilogy. If you were to try and buy those games today, the cheapest you're going to find a complete copy of Mario Galaxy 2 is 20 bucks, $25. You're not going to get it for less than 25 at, like, GameStop. If... At, Shoot, that's probably it's probably fifty at GameStop and thirty five for the new for the used one. Punch out seventeen to twenty five dollars, and Metroid Prime Trilogy like eighty to a hundred for the Steelbook version. Okay, and if you're looking at the 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 one where they GameStop and their bullshit practice of reprinting games that are supposed to be out of print and then trying to sell them at you know eBay prices, yeah, Metroid Prime Trilogy might get the newest version for fifty or sixty or seventy dollars. So. Nine ninety nine for the first week each game is available. That's it. Ten dollars. That is a steal. And if you did not play those games and you have a Wii U, you need to play those games. I understand Mario Galaxy two. You still have to use the Wii remotes and Metroid Prime Trilogy. You would want to use the Wii remote anyways because it's just superior way to play those games. Um, definitely recommend all three of those games. Uh, two of those are, I mean, they're just amazing. Uh, Punch Out was really good and really fun, but Mario Galaxy two was one of the best games of the last 10 years, period. And so oh, was the Metroid Prime games were all good. So, whatever. Shut up. <laughs> so, but the price goes up Super after the Super first Mario. after the first week, the price goes up. Yes. Title. So, there are staggered releases one a week for 9.99. And if you buy them physical and you wanted to buy all three games, it's going to run you 100 to 120. dollars So, here 30 bucks, you got three awesome games. And they're not in HD. So, whatever. But yeah, you're getting, it's in 480p, you're also getting five though, so. games. You're also getting five games. Um, yeah, it's going to be the best-looking 480p games you can get, probably, uh, especially Mario Galaxy 2. But you got three Metroid games optimized for Wii Remote controls uh, on the Metroid Prime Trilogy, plus the Mario Galaxy and the uh, Punch-Out. So, I mean, ratings-wise, you know, Metroid, all three of those are what... 9 plus, 9.5 plus average. Yeah. They're all very, very well done. Uh, and same with Mario Galaxy, close to 10 for an average. So, yeah. I'm thinking about grabbing them because I'm Mr. Physical, but at $10, I can become Mr. Digital. Yeah. Uh, and the good thing is you don't have to actually download it once you buy it. 
you can just keep it in the cloud and download it when you're ready for it. Yeah, if you're having issues with storage and stuff. So, which Mario Galaxy 2 should be, yeah. what, 4 yeah. 5 gigs? If you oh, had a fucking Sonic, you might be suffering. Yeah. Also, when you um, you click on the icon for these games, it just quick boots into Wii mode. Yes, you don't have to actually go launch into the actual Wii. You think they would do that with a disc? Maybe we will get an update soon. That'd be nice. That'd be fantastic. I think really they're just running this motherfucker through an emulator. Probably. Well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Well, let's let's move on. Wrap this up. We're almost done. Um, more Amiibo Insanity. They got the Mario Party 10 versions of Mario, Luigi, Bowser, Peach, Yoshi, and Toad. Those I probably wouldn't be too concerned about limited production, but who knows? Uh, those are popular characters that will probably never come off the shelf. Maybe the Toad. Maybe the Toad. May become rare. Um, there was others announced, uh, some from Fire Emblem and some other titles. I can't remember exactly who all was there, but we didn't write it down, so we're moving on. Uh, Nintendo finally releasing another cross-buy title, uh, Mario vs. Donkey Kong Tipping Stars, uh, and it has a level creator, and you can share the levels. So that's awesome. Plus, you get the cross-play. So welcome to 2012, Nintendo. You're almost there. <laughs> Three more years, and we'll be in 2015. Um Mario vs. Donkey Kong games, I think they're fun. I've played. I got one on the on the 3DS or the DS. I think I got DS. I think it's a DS one. I have it, and it's it was really fun. You make your little levels and stuff, and you got to, you know, it was Mario's on the move or something like that. So, yeah, those are those are fun little games. Uh, now, you can never have Nintendo news without something to shake your head about. <laughs> At the new Nintendo 3DS, uh. Has the added analog stick, which should have been a launch feature, um, which would have hurt the Vita even more. But now you have two analog sticks. Oh, there's the fact it has no games. Yeah. Um, only an XL model, so there's not going to be the the regular sized edition, which is good, in my opinion. And uh, Which I know some people were having a stroke over it. Uh, will not be packaged with an AC adapter and doesn't have an announced price yet. So, oh, it's $200. Two hundred dollars? Okay, well, oh, it is on Amazon. Two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars. All right. Uh, what the fuck, Nintendo? No, no adapter that cost you like one or two dollars to produce, really. So, uh, the European versions for years haven't come with them. The version in Japan didn't come with it. But you know what? You guys or those countries, they they don't they don't mind to get pounded in the ass by their by the corporations. Sorry, it's just the way it is. Um, Everything on the forums I've seen of people defending the decision to, uh, and this is anecdotal evidence, but the ones defending the decision to not have the AC adapter were Europeans. Sorry, guys. Love you, but it's bullshit to sell a system for the same price that you would have if it had an AC adapter without an AC adapter. It's just the way it is. I think it's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, I'm a retard. I'll still buy it. I wouldn't be surprised if there was gauging reactions off that. I mean, there's 50 million 3DS owners already out there, and maybe that whole – there's certain customers that only buy Nintendo. Maybe they're counting on them to buy the next edition of the uh, 3DS. So, I don't know. Kind of crazy. I just can't believe they didn't include it. So I can. It's Nintendo. I yeah I don't know why I didn't say I didn't believe it. I'm mildly surprised. I'll say that much. So I will uh, say that Majora's Mask did look sweet as so. hell. Yes, it did. And I'm it's not a Zelda fan. Mirror of the last one they had looked good too. 
It's not even a Zelda fan. So, the last Zelda one, what was it? Was it um, uh, Link Between Worlds? Was that the one that was black and gold? The the painting one where you mm-hmm. turn into the painting, yeah. yeah oh, the edition, the edition, yeah. yes. Yeah, that yeah. was that was sweet. The uh, that was awesome. So the Majora's Mask version looks sweet as hell, but good luck getting that. Just saying, it's done too late. Unless you want to play, if you want to support the scalpers, go on eBay and pay the money. As far as the actual show goes and some of the games that did so, the first one started off with an amazing cutscene. I thought, this is going to be one fucking kick-ass Wii U game. And then it ended up being a fire emblem for the 3DS. And (laughs) and that sucked. Yeah, compared to what you thought you was getting. Not that fire emblem's bad. Fire emblem's... I like them. But I was... I thought it was going even really, I, I kind of find I kind of figured that's where it was going at first, or after a minute or so. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's like, oh, is this gonna be a surprise announcement? Which is the biggest disappointment from the whole direct. But finishing up here, Xenoblade X. Um, running. Yeah, I mean, running. I know there's more to the game than that, but man, they should have really considered what they were showing in that video. I think they were trying to show there's a big open world and all that, but I want to see a little more combat, a little more. You know, what's a little bit more about the plot? And, yeah, show me some running. Kind of demonstrate the world's wide. But it really looked like a running simulator in the video. I know the game is not that, but it wasn't the best uh, video clip to use. This is how Nintendo uses their endless runners. This is their new one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 3D Outrun Afterburner 2. Yeah, the Sega 3D Collection. Those are um, definitely something to pick up, those two games. Those are good, yeah. Those, uh, those would be good for your old man games. Oh, yeah, definitely. I have some on my 3DS of the other ones they've made. Um, but, was, yeah, directs are, directs are nice. They're just, I don't know. What was the... Nice um, for Nintendo fans. Um, I think one thing that Nintendo, or one thing that PlayStation and Xbox should take from Nintendo Directs, yes, I don't think Nintendo Directs have the wide market appeal I think more the people that watch that are going to watch five minutes up and turn it off. Your Nintendo fans are going to sit and watch that. But you want to build even more brand loyalty? These are awesome for those people that are already fans of this. And I think PlayStation and Xbox should probably take a look at doing their own type of direct. So I mean, they're already they're already cleaning up as far as sales go. Why not make it better? So also um, the and skip all the bullshit like you said at the beginning of this segment about Nintendo directs. Nintendo directs are direct. Yeah. There's no horse shit. But it is disappointing they didn't reveal anything really big. There is another dual packing game. is Puzzle and Dragon Super Mario Bros. Edition. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that was that's a, that's a pretty popular game. Uh, the sales were like off the freaking chart. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. cool stuff. I like that. It's a mix of RPG and, and puzzle elements. It's really difficult to find a good one of those on the... Um, iOS and Androids because it'll do great. Spirit Stones was the best one because it did have the uh, card-based trading game bullshit mixed into it where you could power up three guys and, and the like. But once it gets to a certain level, it will go to a pay-to-win game instead of you know, pay-to-play or free-to-play. Yeah. And I'd rather just go ahead and give Nintendo 60 bucks and be done with it and have the complete game not deal with that bullshit. Exactly. However, they are doing a a app in that purchase game with Pokemon where 
if you actually do want to hurry up with your character instead of waiting, you can pay Nintendo money, it seems. Is it weird that I like Pokemon now and I never did as a kid? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> since you're older now, you can look at it in a different light. Well, when I looked at it, see, I was right at the that kind of middle ground of age when Pokemon hit big. I mean, it was already when it hit my radar, anyways. It was it was a little big, but when it hit big in America, um, I thought I was too cool for it. But man, I've I've messed around with some of the stuff I've come across since I started retro collecting. That's really good stuff, man. There's some really good RPGs. So oh, and here's why: Pokemon Shuffle for the 3DS will be available to play for free by downloading it from the eShop when it releases in February, which is why there are in-app purchases. So they are doing the iOS Android uh, bullshit. Well, it's model. it's one thing to it's one thing to tease you with some of the game and get you to buy the rest. You see what I'm saying? Then they might but be pay to win more. is pay to win is different from teasing. So are they going to be a pay to win game or is it going to be we're going to tease you and entice you with the quality of this title? So I don't know. It's well, like uh, tank, tank, tank. It's not like it's not that great a game, but digitally you can get like a level or two free on the Wii U eShop, and then you pay $3 for extra sections of the game. Mm-hmm. And by the time you paid it out, it was like 10 or $15 or something. Well, they did That's say that bad. whenever you do like your moves, you want to have a limited set amount to defeat uh-huh. your enemies. And after that, you have to wait for your stamina to rebuild, or you can uh, uh, go so through the in-app. So it pay, will be pay a win faster. pay to win. Yeah. But I think everybody won tonight because we got a pretty good show, and we decided, fuck it, we're going two hours or however long this was. And um, Dan hopefully has found his nuts and will come back and join us next week. I, you know, I don't know. You know that boy? <laughs> <You're> <laughs> that, listening boy. To that, that boy. Um, no, he's he's uh, he has family in this weekend, and they had to travel really far, so... He's yeah. busy. He'll be back next week, hopefully. Yeah. We love you, Dan. We feel sorry for you. We know what family's like. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to avoid mine. Um, I got this door locked here. My wife's like, notes under the door. Are you done yet? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back at eleven fifteen. AKA. On that stop. Note, I think we need the. It's <laughs> time to it's time to say goodbye. <sighs> All right. For Scott, I'm Paul. And um, and for Dan, wherever he is, thanks for listening. Good night.